You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating um, Easter Sunday. Uh, and as I mentioned last week, we're going to be doing uh, the Living Cross again this year. We haven't done it for a couple of years. Uh, so all of you are invited uh, just to bring a few fresh cut flowers um, next week, uh, and we're going to kind of decorate. Uh, if you get here first service, um, again, it's just incredible to see that bare cross. And then by the time you know uh, you guys get here, uh, second service, and it, it's just amazing how that cross is just fully decorated. And, and so you see something that really was an instrument of death back in Jesus' day, and how when you start putting flowers on there, it really kind of just brings that cross uh, to life, which is really, in many ways, what uh, Jesus did um, through his death and resurrection was he took something that was meant for punishment, and he brought, and he brings forth something beautiful, and again, the the living cross is just a way to illustrate that, so we want each of you to, you know, be a part of that next Sunday. So again, just want to invite you to bring uh, just a few fresh cut flowers uh, with you next Sunday. Also, just want to mention really quickly, if you are doing the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class, because it's uh, Good Friday and we had that Good Friday service on Friday, uh, we will not be doing the class this week. And we'll pick up again that following Wednesday and meet the next four Wednesdays and conclude that class. So no class um, this coming Wednesday. Experts in criminology say it is the absolute worst form of punishment you can give to any prisoner. There are many people who even say it is cruel and unusual punishment. Others believe it is torture and should be banned. And no, I'm not talking about waterboarding or sleep deprivation or being forced to watch episodes of the Kardashians, even though I think that's probably pretty close. Um, They say the worst form of punishment is solitary confinement. Experts say there is nothing more devastating to the human psyche than complete and total isolation. The reason for that is because we all were designed and we were created for relationships. As a matter of fact, you go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis and you'll find that, you know, part of the reason human beings were put on this earth was really to kind of develop and cultivate uh, two basic kinds of relationships. And, And you've heard this before. Again, that first relationship being a vertical relationship, our relationship with God. That second relationship uh, being a horizontal relationship, and that is our relationships with other people. Now, uh, that is the order of priority uh, in that God, you know, chose uh, not to create the man and the woman together at the same time. He created man first. And so in the beginning, it was just Adam and God there in the garden because I believe from the beginning, God wanted every human being to know that your number one relationship is with God. And it's only when you really have a right relationship with God that you really begin to understand how to have a right uh, relationship with others. Now, I think it even goes a little deeper um, than that. 
When you and I, when we have kind of, again, a living, active, you know, dynamic relationship with God, uh, you want to establish relationships with others in part so that you can help bring them more fully into a relationship with God. And you can do that simply by your gifts, your talents, the way you serve other people, encourage other people, pray for other people, uh, and that is Really kind of one of the things we're trying to get at here in this series of messages uh, called Living Like Jesus Lived. Again, the very reason Jesus came to earth was to show people who God is first and foremost. And then also to kind of exemplify what a healthy, thriving, intimate relationship with God looks like. And, and Jesus gives us the example of that. Again, most people are very familiar with the last life of Jesus, which again is, we call that Holy Week, and that begins on Palm Sunday, which is today, uh, and then culminates with uh, Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. And so again, a lot of us are familiar with all of the events that took place uh, in that week of Jesus' life, his final uh, final week. We're, we're familiar with his trial, his crucifixion, his resurrection, but let me ask you this, what about the other 155 weeks of his earthly ministry? What, what did Jesus spend his time doing? We're going to see that he spent his time doing with his life what he really wants us to spend our lives uh, and our time doing. And that really is just to begin to make connections with other people in order that they might more fully connect with God. Now, again, there is a vast difference between communicating with people and connecting with people. Again, we all communicate with people, but really not enough of us really connect with people, especially in this generation where there is so much of our time is is spent, our, our FaceTime is in a screen, whether that's a TV screen, you know, a computer screen, a cell phone screen. We are a culture, a generation that really is more connected to our gadgets than we are to people. I remember one of the times our kids had a bunch of friends over, and they were all sitting in our family room, and they were all really kind of, you know, pretty quiet. And so I was kind of curious as to what was going on in there, that they're all in there and it's so quiet. And so I walked into the room and all of these kids sitting in there are on their cell phones. And they're all sitting in there together. They're not connecting. Uh, I mean, there's just, they're all, their faces were in the screen. And so I, I asked them, I said, what are you guys doing? And one of the kids says, we're talking to each other on our cell phones. I was like, what? I said, why don't you put the cell phones down and just talk to each other? And again, it just exemplifies we have a lot of contacts, but very little connection. Now, I have the opportunity to both communicate and connect every week. See, when I'm up here on the platform and, and preaching and teaching, I'm communicating to you. But when I get down off the platform and, and, you know, I'm walking around and I'm saying hello and shaking hands and asking people, how are you doing? I'm connecting with people. And there is a description of something that Jesus does in Matthew 9 that, that really kind of gives us a, a pathway 
of how we also can begin making inroads and connections with other people. And one of the things we need to really kind of learn and understand when it comes to connecting with people is you can't take people where they need to go until you connect um, to people where they are. And we're going to see this uh, in the life and the ministry of Jesus. You can't take people where they need to go until you connect to people where they are. So if you really are going to have meaningful, um, I would say relevant, impactful, influential connections with people like Jesus did, I want to just give you a few things Jesus did. There are also some things we need to do in order to connect. First thing is, we just need to go where people are. Now listen to Matthew chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up there, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be looking at a few verses there, beginning with verse 35. And there it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. A lot of towns, a lot of villages. Teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease. Now, what Matthew records Jesus doing there was evidently like just very impactful. This was a big deal to Matthew because this is the second time that Matthew mentions this type of scenario that he writes about there because if you just go back a few chapters Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 listen to what Matthew says again he says Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people this was such a big deal to Matthew that he notes twice how Jesus did this and I think Matthew was just really amazed that the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that, that he was not cooped up in some monastery. He wasn't locked away in some ivory tower. He didn't sit in an office, you know, with a sign in the window that basically said, open for business. Jesus actively takes the initiative and he goes where the people were. Jesus didn't just sit around and wait for people to find him. He went looking for people. Now, it would have been very easy for Jesus just to kind of have an attitude of like, hey, you know what? I mean, I came all the way from heaven. I mean, that's way, you know, halfway, more than halfway to meet with you. The least you can do is come the rest of the way. But he doesn't do that. Jesus took the initiative. He takes the first step and he just connects with people where they are. Jesus didn't wait for people to come to him. He went to them. And you know, oftentimes that's something, it's very easy to lose inside the church building. We need to understand that the church is not a resting place. It is a launching pad. We come to church on Sunday mornings, you know, to worship, to fellowship, to serve each other, to encourage each other, learn and grow in our walk with God. And again, all of that is great and good, and we need to be doing that. However, all of that really is designed to get us ready to leave the church and to go out into our community 
and connect with people in relevant ways, really who don't know Jesus or maybe are not connected to a church. And again, Jesus didn't just go to people. It's interesting, as you read Matthew's account, he goes to people with a very specific purpose. Matthew says he was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing because Jesus understood and he saw that the people were disconnected in their relationship to God. There was confusion about what they believed about God, how they saw themselves, and people um, were sick um, and disease uh, in their bodies. And so Jesus goes to where they are and he immediately begins to connect with their needs. And we need to be able to do the same. So, you know, if you were to walk into a room of people and there's a lot of sickness and disease, it really wouldn't do much good for those people if you're going to offer them a class on finances, right? I mean, finances are, are, are fine, they're important, it's, it's a part of what we need to talk about in the kingdom of God, but if you walk into a room full of people who are sick with disease, I mean, isn't that the greater need? Isn't that the need that we should begin to address and to touch upon? So as believers, as a church, we need to make sure what we're offering to people is the actual help they need. A couple years ago, uh, a group of people from this church went out and um, their goal was really kind of just to go door to door, knock on the doors and just say, is there anything we can pray uh, for you about? Um, Share the good news of the gospel if an opportunity like that presented itself. Um, And again, that's something um, everybody needs. Everybody at one time or another needs prayer. They need to know that God loves them. Now, before they went into any of that, which I kind of found fascinating, before they kind of launched into, we'd like to pray for you, what they first did was offered the people a fresh battery and said, we'd like to give you this for your smoke detector. And I thought that was a very, very clever way of kind of just, again, lowering that barrier. I mean, if you've ever had somebody at your door, um, you know, knocking, if it's been, you know, Jehovah Witness or Mormon, I I mean, there's just kind of that angst of, oh, man, what do they want? You know, how am I going to, you know, but again, one of the things that they did here was they just found a way to offer something that kind of just lowered that barrier, that kind of just, you know, put people maybe a little bit more at ease. And again, most of us, I mean, we don't even think about replacing batteries in our smoke detectors until they start beeping, right? I mean, usually in the middle of the night, those things start going off. Now, are fresh batteries a critical need? Probably not. But it was a way to address and to meet a need everyone can relate to and you can appreciate. And again, it just lowers the barrier and opens the door maybe to address and to go deeper in some spiritual needs. Again, it's why we emphasize the preaching, teaching of God's word. Again, because we're trying to connect people who are disconnected with God. It's why we have the Praise Cafe. Again, we're we're people who are hungry, whether they come to the church service or not. People come to Praise Cafe to get a hot meal. Um, It's why we focus monthly on the doers of the word. It's why we have a special needs account uh, that we use in our church. 
so that we can, you know, help people who have no food in their cupboards. If there's, you know, somebody that needs help paying rent or utilities, maybe they just need gas in their car so that they can get to work for their jobs. Um, again, it is to connect to people's felt needs. And once you've done that, it's just amazing how open they are to anything that you have to say spiritually. And again, Jesus wasn't paid to go to anybody, okay? He, he wasn't ordered. He wasn't forced to go to anybody. He did it because he was called to be a servant, called to give his life as a ransom. And that is part of what we are called to do and how we are called to live as followers of Christ. The people and needs around us only will be met when we begin to actively go into our neighborhoods, into the marketplace, into the ball fields, the gymnasiums, the schools, and we just begin to simply and in relevant ways just connect to people who are disconnected from God and God's family. So we just need to go where people are. Second thing is we need to passionately care for people. As Jesus began to connect with people where they were, where they lived, where they worked, and where they played, what did he see? Verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, every time I read that verse, I'm kind of challenged to ask myself this question. Do I see people the way Jesus sees people? Do I see a crowd the way Jesus sees a crowd? I heard a guy one time say, when people start to become a problem, it's an indication that your heart is no longer aligned with God's heart. People were never ever a problem for Jesus because his heart was always aligned with the, with the heart of the Father. Again, let's be honest, when it comes to crowds, most of us don't like crowds, especially crowds of strangers. I don't even like long lines at the grocery store. We certainly don't like to be in the middle of crowds, and most of the time, we kind of view crowds or long lines at the grocery store with contempt and not compassion. When we see a crowd, we often want to just you know, get away or disassociate from the crowd. It's interesting, when Jesus saw a crowd, he was moved with compassion. See, oftentimes when you and I, when we see a crowd, oftentimes what we see is we see the hurry in the crowd. When Jesus looked at a crowd, he saw the hearts of the people. He saw the way people really were as well as they could be. He saw the potential. And he could look past their faces and he could see their fears. He could look into their hearts and see their hurt. Again, all too often for many of us, myself included, when we see a crowd, we see a forest. Jesus was able to look at a crowd and he could see the trees. So let me just challenge you with this question. When we look at others, do we really see them? Do we really see our neighbors? Do we really see our coworkers? Do we really see our classmates? Do we even see the people that we live with? 
Do we really ask God to help us to see into their hearts and try to discern their hurts, their pains, and their needs? I love what Henry David Thoreau once said. He said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Too often in my life, I don't really see people when I look at them. It's all too easy to kind of just look past them, especially if you're busy. And when Jesus saw other people, oftentimes he, he stopped and he saw or he discerned their hurt and his heart, his compassion went out to them. Now that, that word compassion, it's really a very cleaned up word. The word compassion literally refers to the bowels in your body. Isn't that a better word, compassion, than bowels in your body? We would say today it's kind of a gut punch. So let me just kind of say this again. When we see people the way Jesus saw people, we will begin to care for people the way Jesus cares for people. So again, how did Jesus see a crowd? He didn't see a crowd of people. Matthew says he saw a flock of sheep that were herding. As a matter of fact, Matthew describes them in verse 36 this way. He says they were harassed. And that word harass literally means to skin an animal. And so Matthew is portraying that, that life had cut these people to pieces. These people were battered and bruised, mangled, ripped apart, worn out, and exhausted. And let me tell you something you already know. Everybody's got issues. Everybody. So like them, we're helpless. Oftentimes like them, we're harassed. And they were helpless. And again, that word helpless, it literally means flat on your back and not able to get up. It's interesting if you've ever studied sheep. They say that if a sheep kind of rolls over on its back, that it is completely unable to get up. It requires the shepherd coming and, and putting that sheep upright. Unbeknownst to us, you know, oftentimes we work around people we may live next door to people. We can golf and hunt and fish and shop. Some of you may even be sitting next to people this morning who are barely making it and they're struggling through life. There may be people around you this morning that are just worn out and they're tired. They're tired of trying to make their marriage work. They're tired of trying to build a business. Tired of treading water and never getting anywhere. And again, Matthew would say to those people, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And you may not know this, but a sheep without a shepherd is dead meat. A sheep without a shepherd, they've got no shot, no chance in life. They'll either starve to death, be eaten by wild animals, or they just kind of aimlessly wander off and die. We need to begin to see people as sheep without a shepherd and understand that part of our role, our responsibility as followers of Christ is to lead them to the shepherd who can give them water that will quench their spiritual thirst, give them food that will quench their, their uh, physical uh, hunger and shelter, just to give them shelter that will protect them in the storms of life. Again, this is why we need to strive uh, to live like Jesus lived. 
and start getting people connected in a relationship with their heavenly father. And again, when you see people the way Jesus saw people, you will feel for people what Jesus felt for people. When you feel for people what Jesus felt for people, you will do for people what Jesus did for people. You'll go to them where they are. You'll love them where they're at. And you'll gently and kindly do all that you can do to steer them into a relationship with God. Third thing we need to do is we just need to personally commit to people. Now listen to what Jesus says to his followers in verses 37 and 38. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, meaning there's there's enough work out there to do, but he says, but the workers are few. So pray or ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now just try to put yourself in Jesus' position at this time. He had all of these people that he, that he sees as he's going throughout towns and villages. And he sees all of these people who are harassed. They're helpless. They're sheep without a shepherd. They need people who will connect to them, care for them, and commit to them. And what does he tell his disciples to do? Pray. Pray. Surprisingly and even amazingly, he doesn't ask them to pray for the sheep, but pray for more shepherds, pray for more harvesters, pray for more workers. Now Jesus, again, he's talking here about a harvest, but he doesn't ask them to pray that there would be a bigger harvest. It's almost as if he's saying there's already enough to do here. There's more than enough to do. We don't need more to do, we just need more doers. He asked them to pray that there would be more workers, more harvesters. I wonder if you would be willing to pray a prayer to God that goes something like this. Father, I'm asking you to send those of us who are your followers into the fields where we live Help us to see people the way you see them, to feel for people the way you feel for them, and to do for them what you have done for them. Now, honestly, if you've been a Christ follower for any length of time, you have probably already prayed a prayer like that, and if so, you probably found it pretty painless, right? But now I wonder if you would be willing to add to that prayer this, Lord Would you start with me? Jesus asked his disciples to pray that he, the Lord of the harvest, would send more laborers, more workers into the harvest. And that next verse is really kind of interesting because here's what Jesus does in response to that. Chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, gave them power and authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. It's as if if Jesus is kind of saying, hey boys, thank you for praying that prayer and you are the answer to that prayer. See, a lot of us will pray that first prayer and it's pretty painless. But we'll stop short of the second one. We'll say, yes, Lord, you need to send more laborers, more workers, more harvesters into the field just so long as it isn't me. 
And see, here's the thing. When you let God open your eyes and see people the way he sees them, when you just allow God to begin to open your heart and to begin to feel for people the way God feels for them, you can't help but begin to do what Jesus did for people. You will do all that you can to connect the disconnected, to reach their mind, to reach their heart, to reach their soul, their spirit, their body for Jesus. By the way, the word workers, it's a really interesting word. It refers to common, ordinary workers on a farm. A farmhand, basically. So here's the thing, you don't need to be seminary trained. I would actually say it's better if you're not. You don't need to have a college degree. You don't need to have a Bible degree. You don't need to have a certain type of personality. Oh, so-and-so, they're just so outgoing. It's so easy. I'm an introvert. No, you don't have to have a certain type of personality to do what Jesus did. You just have to be the you God created you to be. Just to be surrendered, to be available, to be open to him. And he will do his work through you in connecting with other people. One of the greatest works you and I will ever be involved in or called to do is to get involved with the harvest. Becoming a worker and just using our God-given talents and our gifts. uh, Just planting the seeds of the gospel message Watering those seeds with our prayers, our encouragement, our compassion, our commitment. And when we do that, we'll just be able to watch God bring that fruition, that seed to fruition. And again, Jesus said the, 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 the harvest is plentiful, Father. It's not a lack of things to do. There's so much waiting to be done. Even here in Mason City, there is so much waiting to be done. Even here in North Iowa, southern Minnesota, there is so much waiting to be done. There is harvesting to be done in neighborhoods all over this city. There's harvesting to be done in schools and neighborhoods all over North Iowa. And we just need to pray that prayer that says, God, beginning with me. Would you send more harvesters, more workers, and more laborers? That word send out is kind of a fascinating term. It literally means to cast out or to exercise. It's the same word that they use when they talk about casting out demons. In other words, here's what Jesus is basically saying. He says, would you pray? that I would kind of just give you a swift kick in the pants and cast you out into the harvest. And again, folks, like I said earlier, you don't need to be seminary trained. This isn't really very difficult. I want to just give an example of someone I observed a couple of weeks ago. It was after second service. And there was a lady uh, there in the very back row and I, I didn't recognize her. I don't believe I had I'd ever met her. And, and so as I was uh, noting her uh, during the service, I would kind of made up my mind that following the service, I was just going to go up and just introduce myself and kind of get to know a little bit about her. So I came off the platform, went back, put my stuff down. And as I'm going over to approach her, Christy cuts me off completely and gets to her And just right away, hi, my name is Christy Tass. And she just began to connect with this woman. 
And, and I just stood there absolutely amazed. And I was just, you know, I, I see this a lot, but this was just a latest example um, of that. And it was so encouraging to me to just kind of watch that interaction happening and that connecting um, happening. And again, it, it's not anything profound. I'm not trying to take away from what you did there, Christy. Again, it was just very simple. Just going up and saying, hi, I'm Jeff. I don't think I've ever met you before. And, and just launching into a conversation um, with people. Again, oftentimes we kind of, we've talked ourselves into that, you know, I need to know all of the answers. I mean, what if they ask me a question about the Bible and I don't know and I get all embarrassed? And, and that's usually not what people are looking for in that initial contact. It's just somebody that just simply reaches out and begins to kind of make a connection with them. All of us can do that. All of us need to be doing that. Not just here, but also, I mean, just in, in your workplaces. I mean, just turning around when you're in a long line at the grocery store, just introducing yourself or starting up some kind of a conversation. Again, as the video showed, there are so many missed opportunities. And oftentimes, again, we just kind of were too busy or we think it's not really going to matter or make any difference and we kind of just go on not understanding what God may have really wanted to do in that moment, in that interaction. So again, I just, I just want to encourage you, I want to pray for you this morning that wherever you go, that God would kind of just begin to you know, awaken your heart, um, awaken those opportunities where you have just to connect with people, to go where they are, to connect with where um, they are. Uh, again, just to allow God to move your heart with compassion for people. That's how Jesus lived. And I believe that is how he's calling us to live as followers. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Father, again, I just thank you so much for that example that you have given to us in Jesus. I mean, here's the son of God, the greatest man to ever walk the planet of the earth. And yet he was willing to just go to where people were. He was willing to just meet people where they were and then just to allow his heart to be moved with compassion and how he would begin to just serve in meaningful and relevant ways. And oh God, I ask that you would just again open our hearts, that there would just again be an awareness of people around us, that God, there would maybe even be an awareness of some things that are going on inside of them. That, God, we can just begin to connect with them in order to connect them with you. So, God, again, I just pray, Lord, as we go into this week. And again, Lord, there's a lot of people, again, that are not connected to you that will come to church next Sunday. This is kind of one of those weeks where people are a little more open to spiritual things. So, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to maximize those opportunities to connect with people in order to connect them to you. And so again, God, just make our hearts aware. Allow us just to be open, uh, surrendered, available, willing to be used by you to touch others in your name. And Father, we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.